Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Solomon was the son of David and David was the same David who slew Goliath. Do you know who I'm talking about? All right, so... So uh, Solomon was, was David's son, and he became a king when he was 20 years old. Now you look at, some of you have kids that have gone through 20, and I want you to imagine that they now run your state, your country, okay? I know, some of you are laughing because that kind of freaks you out, and yet this is exactly what happened. King Solomon, he's 20 years old, right? But this guy learns to manage it well. He, he became the king in around seven, uh, 970 uh, BC, and he ruled for 40 years, which is pretty good as a king, because if you didn't do a good job, they just take care of you. But he managed to be a king for that long. And the Bible has this very famous passage about him. Uh, he started so well as a king uh, and, and did so many things well. This passage I'm going to read to you this morning tells us a little bit about how Solomon got his good start. Are, are you with me so far? Great. Now, if you haven't read your Bible this week, you're not going to feel guilty today because I'm going to read enough to catch you up for the next seven days, okay? So I'm going to read this. The guy's going to track me from behind. So we're going to, we're going to begin in First uh, Kings chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 3. It says this, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. A thousand, that's, that's a lot of offerings. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. Wouldn't that be good, by the way? If God just showed up and said, what do you want? <laughs> now you imagine for a second that you can open the floodgates to anything that you want. You can ask for anything that you want. You're standing at an ATM that's going to spit out whatever you want, all right? And this is what Solomon says. He says, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him... This great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. Now, he wasn't a little child, he was 20, but you know, he feel, that's still kind of young to run the entire nation. He says, Although I'm but a little child, I do not know how to go out and come in. In other words, I don't know how to do this job. This, this is a really big job, this is difficult. He says, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I might discern between good and evil. I want you to asterisk that. It's very important. He asked for a mind to discern between good and evil who is able to govern this, your great people. And it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, 
I now do according to your word. Isn't that nice? That's what God said to him. I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after you. Hence, making him the wisest man that ever has been, ever will be. I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all of your days. And if you, now understand this part. This is very, very important. This is what he needs to do to obtain all the things that he's heard. And if you walk in my ways and keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. That passage of scripture sets up Solomon to be the wisest person that ever was and ever will be. He did what other people weren't able to. In fact, it was his father that had a dream to build a temple, but it was his son Solomon who was enabled to build it. And when he built it, I mean, he went big. He went really big. I mean, they had, I think, what was it, 30,000 people to cut timber. They had 80,000 people cutting stones so they could make the temple. And another 70,000 people that were just like for manual labor. That's enough people to nearly fill the MCG twice and all of these people working on one project which was to build the temple and man did they build it and it was big and it was incredible and it was glorious. King Solomon was the first king that was able to trade commercial goods at a profit to other nations. He had 700 wives. Where do you find the time... I have one. I just can't imagine multiplying that by 700 times. But, I mean, he was the wisest guy that ever lived, so he did it. But not only did he have 700 wives, he had 300 concubines. If you don't know what that is, you can Google it later, right? Now, the wisest man that ever lived... 700 wives, 300 concubines, all under one house, in, under one roof. I don't know how wise that is, but he found a way to make it work, which makes him the wisest man that has ever lived and, you know, ever will live. He expanded the kingdom to about 80,000 square kilometers, which makes his kingdom about the size of Austria. And he was just an incredible king. What an amazing start he made as a king. Did what other people weren't able to do. And despite the fact that he was an incredible king with all the wisdom and insight in the world, his son, who was exiled to Egypt, eventually returned to home to Israel and led a revolt against his father. And it fractured the kingdom, and the kingdom of Israel split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. It was fragmented, and ultimately, it broke down their culture. Ultimately, it broke down their society, and all because Solomon made a few big mistakes. A few big mistakes. A few things that he did that he shouldn't have done. And that's why we've got to be smarter than Solomon. See, no matter how wise you are, there are some things that will just ruin you. It doesn't matter how wise you are, there are some decisions that if you make, they will just ruin you. Like, you know, like forgetting your wife's anniversary. Guys, that's going to ruin you. You better write it down. Can you imagine being Solomon? If I split it evenly, he's got two a day for a whole year. Do you know what today is? I'm guessing it's an anniversary. I have one every day, two in fact. That's two anniversaries and two birthdays every day, every year, for every day of the year. Right? 
There are some decisions that if you make, man, they just ruin you. You need to learn how to handle the things that come to you well. And, and the Bible says that when you make a mistake, the Bible calls mistakes. It says that they are, well, let's call it an error, an error of judge, in judgment, maybe just left of center, maybe something that you didn't really intend to do, but you, know, you still did it and it was wrong. Do you know what the Bible calls error? It calls that sin. And I think we should really understand what sin is because particularly if you're new, you may be tempted to believe that sin is just the failure of moral judgment. But the Bible's definition of sin is so much broader than that. It's when you're just left of center. It's when you were designed and created for something, but you didn't really do what you were supposed to do. And just a little FYI for everybody that's here today, and I don't really care whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. It's all the same to me. God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And see, the thing is, is if you're a Christian, you might know what the plan is. If you're here today, you're not a Christian. That's okay. It's just you probably don't know what God's plan is for your life. Now, we often like to speak about God having a plan for your life in church, and it's true, but did you also know that you can ruin it? There's a plan. God has a plan for you, but you know the devil's got plans for you too. And he will tempt and he will talk you out of everything that God would do with you in your future. He'll talk you out of that plan any chance that he gets. I mean, hello, this is the story of humanity, is it not? I mean, you have to flip back to the beginning of the Bible, look in Genesis, and the moment that you look in there, you'll discover a story about two people, the very first two people, Adam and Eve. And God came to them and he said to them, all right, I put you in the garden, you got one job. One job. I want you to stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if I had have been Adam and doing a risk assessment of the situation, I would have drawn a line 100 meters around that tree and said, just don't even cross this line. Don't go over this line. Let's stay well back from the place that we're not supposed to go. But so it is that there is Eve, and she's in a conversation with a snake in the forest. That's just a bad idea. I tell people this every time. If you find yourself in a conversation with a snake in the forest, get out of there. There is nothing there for you. And so there she is, and she's talking to the devil, and, and, and he says, uh, so what did God really say? He said, don't eat the fruit. He's like, oh, he's so funny like that sometimes. No, 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 he, that's not really what he meant. Here it is. That's not really what he meant. What is he doing? He's talking them out of the plan. He said, no, 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 that's not really what God meant. But you'll, you'll actually become like him, and wouldn't that be good? And they said, yeah, that'd be great. And he said, great, we'll eat the apple. And they ate the apple. When I get to heaven, I know there's going to be a line to meet Jesus. But the second longest line in heaven is the line to meet Adam and Eve. And you will want to give them a swift kick in the pants because everything that we have to deal with now is because they couldn't do that one job. Just remember one thing. Don't eat this fruit. But even though they knew what not to do or maybe what they should do, they couldn't help it. They did it anyway. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that knowing what to do or knowing what not to do doesn't actually make things any easier? You know what you shouldn't be doing, and yet you've still done it. 
You know where you shouldn't go, and yet you've still gone there. Just knowing isn't enough. In fact, knowing, I'm going to say something that might blow your mind this morning. I think knowing sometimes makes it more difficult. Because if I tell you not to touch the red button, something will happen. What do you want to do? You want to push that button. And I told you not to do it, but it's what you want to do. And this is what people are like. Paul the Apostle said this. He said, you know what? He said, as soon as I find out what not to do, it's like there's a war inside of me. I just want to do it. Paul, don't do it. Now it's all I can think about. That's all I want to do. In fact, he explains it this way. I want to read this passage to you from Romans chapter 7. And in verse 7, he says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all, kind, all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. Let me rephrase this for you. I didn't know what coveting was. And then someone told me what it was. And now I just want to covet. I feel like I just want to covet things. I didn't know what it was, but now that I know it's wrong, I just, it's all I can think about. It's just coveting. This is what Paul says. He says, there's a war. There's a war that rages on inside of me. And this is what he says down in verse 18. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. It appears to be the case that just knowing what not to do is not enough to stop you from actually doing it. Everyone knows, well, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of us know things that are wrong, and yet you still find yourself in the situation where you're doing it. That's why bad things can still happen to, to smart people, because knowing isn't enough. You think about it. You've seen this, you've heard this. I don't feel like this is a difficult thing to explain to you. When people decide to get married, they stand across from each other at an altar. Very holy, solemn moment. People have gathered together to make their, as they make their pledges of love and faithfulness to each other. And they stand there and they say, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part, I declare this upon my honor, I'll love you forever, I'll never leave you, I'll always be faithful. Other person says, that's great, I say all the same things, straight back to you, they make their promises, everybody saw it, everybody heard it, and people still have affairs. And they know what's wrong, which is why they hide it. They know it's wrong, that's why they're not open about it. And yet, they said with their own mouths, we will never do this. Why? They knew. But knowing isn't always enough to stop you from acting on the things that you know is wrong. There's secret things in people's hearts. Everybody has secrets. You have secrets. There's probably secrets in this room right now. Nobody knows about them. Only you. You've never told anyone. And you should think about that. Because if you're the only person that knows your secret, then that secret has the ability to ruin you. You need to find somebody that you can say, this is where I'm struggling. Let them help you. Join a small group or something. Speak to a leader, someone like that. You need to be honest about where you're at. Solomon, 
Man, Solomon willingly, knowingly, intentionally went in the wrong direction. And if you're here today and you say, and, and you're not a Christian, and you're like, I knew church was going to be like this. They were going to talk about sin and, and, and how it was wrong. Well, before you feel judged, let me tell you, this is my story. This is Solomon's story, but it's my story. I mean, I actively, intentionally, and willingly, purposefully went in the opposite direction of what I knew God had asked me to do with my life. I could write the book on dumb. <laughs> because I knew what it was, and yet I still did the wrong thing. Why did I do that? Why do you do it? Why do people do this? Now, God gave Solomon this gift of wisdom. Now, I told you to remember something before. Do you remember what it was? It was the, he gave Solomon the ability to discern the difference between good and evil. Yeah? All right. That gift did not cease to function when Solomon decided to walk in the opposite direction. He just chose not to use it. He chose not to listen to it. He chose not to exercise the wisdom that he had. I remember when Sarah and I, when we first met, when we were dating, we were walking down the street and we were holding hands and we came to a crossing. And as we came, I, I pulled up because we came to a road. And Sarah went to walk straight out and I grabbed her hands and I, I pulled her back. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm, I'm walking across the road. I said, why are you doing that? She said, well, it's a crossing. I said, but there's a car coming. This is what she said to me. She goes, they know the rules. They know the rules. I said, oh, perfect timing. Do you want to stand up and turn around while I tell this story? No? Okay. She said, they know the rules. I said, yes. But what if they don't pay attention to them? If you're wrong about this, you will pay with your life. My point is this. Wisdom can exist, but you can choose not to use it. You can choose not to pay attention to it. And this is exactly what Solomon did. And it's, I've often said this. Wouldn't it be great if we had a, just a life manual that told you everything what to do and what not to do? And, and I think we have something that's, that's, that's called the Bible, the Scriptures, uh, and, and this helps us to understand what to do and what not to do. And yet, when Solomon was king, only a little bit of this existed. But fortunately for him, the little bit that did exist told kings of Israel exactly what they should do and exactly what they should not do. And this comes out of Deuteronomy. This is not on the screens, but Deuteronomy 17, 14 and 20. I'm not going to go and read the whole scripture out for the sake of time, right? But this is what he said. It gave kings three not-to-dos. Three jobs. Number one, don't accumulate horses for yourself or get horses from Egypt. Okay, seems pretty easy. Don't accumulate many wives. Don't accumulate excessive silver or gold for yourself. Right. Horses and horses from Egypt. Wives, silver and gold. You think you guys could remember that? Imagine this. He's got advisors that tell him. These three things, don't do any of these things. You would think that you guys could remember that, couldn't you? Some of you have no idea. Could you do that? Could you, I mean, if you had three things to remember, if you're going to run a kingdom, you reckon you could remember those three things, yeah? yeah? Okay, all right. He broke every single one of them. 
And it wasn't because he didn't know it was wrong. It was because he chose willingly, intentionally to head in the wrong direction. He, he, he decided not to use wisdom. Here's what's really funny to me. How people can be headed in a direction that's completely incompatible with their desired future. Do you ever see that? I mean, you can have all the intentions in the world. But if you're actively walking in a direction that's away from what you've intended, who cares? Where you walk is where you'll end up. That makes sense, doesn't it? And it's funny to me because sometimes people say, I would love to save for a house, but they spend money like crazy. I really want to save for a house, but I have no budget. I spend more than I get in. I'd like to become a better father, but I'm always at work because I find I get more affirmation from my colleagues and my friends. I'd like to be a better husband, but I'm not going to spend any more time with my wife. Isn't it funny how people can have plans and purposes, intentions? That's all they can be sometimes, intentions. But if you are actively walking in a different direction, it doesn't matter. You're going to end up wherever you're walking to. Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, direction, not intention, determines your destination. If you are headed in the wrong direction and you keep taking steps. All right. All right. This is not the most spiritual thing I've ever said. But I want you to really understand this. This is not deep. This is not deep. If you are headed in the wrong direction and you keep taking steps, it's going to lead you somewhere. I told you it wasn't spiritual. I mean, (laughs) if you keep following that path, it's going to lead you somewhere. It's called the principle of the path. And and here's the interesting thing. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, Asian, Indian. If you're on the path, you're going to go wherever it leads. No one beats it. No one beats the path. If you are headed in the wrong direction, you keep taking steps. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you believe. This is the whole idea. No one can beat the path. You keep going in the wrong direction. You keep walking deeper into that forest. It's going to lead you somewhere. And it's going to lead you to a place where you really don't want to go. You'll never beat the path. You'll never beat sin. Look, trying to beat sin is like avoiding gravity. Whatever goes up must come down. And anybody that walks consistently in the wrong direction will always go down eventually they will fall, they'll falter, they'll make a mistake. And, and here's a point that I'm going to make. This is like the series point. It's like not today's big point, but the series point. All right, you ready for this? Great, one or two people, right? Are you ready for this? All right, good, because I worked on this. All right, so, so listen up to this point. It's very important. If it happened to Solomon, it can happen to you. If it can happen to the wisest man in the world, it can happen to you. In fact, this is unbelievably important. I want you to repeat after me. If it happened to Solomon, it can happen to me. If it happened to the wisest man in the world, what makes you think that you're smarter than him? What makes you think that you can beat it? You can't beat it. Whatever happened to Solomon can happen to you, but it doesn't have to. Man, I want to tell you guys... Very importantly today, you are not smart enough or strong enough to handle sin, so you should just stand well back. Stand well back. 
Draw the 100 perimeter, 100 meter perimeter around the tree. I wonder where you're going. I wonder what environments you're placing yourself in. I wonder if you're surfing SBS late at night when your family's in bed. Russell. <laughs> we all have secrets. I said you should tell someone, but not everyone. No, he's good. I know he's good. This, no, I'm serious. He's, he's a good man. I know he's not struggling in that space. But, but here's the thing. Are you putting yourself in positions where you're convincing yourself, it'll be okay. I, I, I can walk into this environment. I don't have to look at it. I just, I'll be okay. I don't have to lean into it. I'll, I'll be okay. I can be on the internet late at night and I'll be okay. I can do these things. If you know you struggle in an area, why would you put yourself in a compromising position, continually justifying to yourself the reason why you can handle it? And if you're not impacted by this already, I'm going to share a statistic with you. And if this doesn't convince you, like this is the best that I've got, right? 100% of the population from Adam till now have failed in the area of perfection. 100%. You think you're the outlier? You think that you can beat it? You can't beat it. 100% of people have failed and the best thing that you should do is not try. In fact, we've got a message in the church that's so much better than try and get there on your own. It's a message of grace. It's the gospel message and here's what it looks like. All right, you're going to make mistakes and you should do everything you can to avoid them. Go and sin no more. Hello? But... When you make mistakes, you have a gracious Savior who paid the penalty for your sin, which is why Loie got baptized today. You have a Savior that says, you know what? I paid the penalty for your sin, so you'll never have to do it. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to wipe your slate clean. You get a fresh start. All you need is Jesus. You know, I was writing this message on Friday afternoon, and it's Friday, so, you know, it's in the office, R&B Fridays. And right as I'm writing this line, a song comes on by Jay-Z. And he says this, all I need in this life of sin is me and my girlfriend. Me and my girlfriend. All right. All I need in this life of sin is me and my girlfriend. And I thought, no, you don't, mate. You need a better plan. <laughs> if your idea is, when I turn up to the pearly gates and I say, but I brought Beyonce. <laughs> He's going to say, you're in so much trouble right now. <laughs> Beyonce is not going to help you. JC should try JC. He should try Jesus Christ. She's a much better. Yeah. He's a much better solution. For the problem of sin. Beyonce is probably pushing you the other direction or something. I don't know. The point is, you've got to have a better plan. 
than just I'm going to make it on my own. God knows. Oh, come on. He knows you're going to fail. That's why he sent Jesus in the first place. He doesn't. By the way, if you're here today and you're like, I've got secrets. I've got things that are happening in my life. I've never told anyone. Yes, I have private struggles, right? Well, welcome to the room because everybody's probably in this boat in, at one point in their life or another. And maybe you're doing well in your current season, but maybe you had struggles in your past. And I want to tell everybody here today that just because you make mistakes doesn't mean that God loves you any less. I mean, that's the whole point. He, he loved us when we were messed up, which is why he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins. But here's what will happen, and here's what will happen. You will still mess up the reason for why you were created. You can still ruin your creative purpose. But it doesn't have to be that way. See, the thing about Solomon is you need to understand you'll never be wiser than Solomon, but you can be smarter if you do this one thing, don't get comfortable with your sin. Don't get comfortable with your mistakes and justify it and explain it away, affording for yourself the ability to feel okay about where you're at. Don't get comfortable with it. That's exactly what was the problem in the first place. I remember when I was trying to learn how to drive a car. I had my learners and I looked over the rear vision mirror to, to change lanes. And when I looked back, I was already in the lane I was intending on moving into. And do you know why I did that? Because wherever you look is the direction that you'll take What are you looking at? Where are you looking right now? What's got your focus today? Because whatever's got your focus is the direction that you'll probably travel in. And Solomon, this is exactly what he did. He began so well. Remember how impressive he was at the start. He began so well, but he changed lanes because he took his eyes off God in his latter years and he ended up heading the wrong direction. Don't get so comfortable with your mistakes that you can comfortably head in the wrong direction and explain it away and say, it's going to be okay. No, it's not. You have the grace of God in your life, but... Like Jesus said, go sin no more. Don't make provision for it. Don't get comfortable with it. So let me ask you a question today. I wonder what you're trying to justify in your life. Where are you trying to get comfortable with something that you know is making you uncomfortable? Have you come to a place where, you, where in all honesty, your conscience is so seared because you've just repeated the same mistakes over and over that eventually you told yourself it's going to be okay. God's cool with it. When you know it, he's not, but you keep saying it until you believe it. And I just think that for Solomon, all of this could have been avoided if he did one thing. You see, the passage of scripture that I read out to you at the beginning that told kings the three things that they were supposed to avoid doing, the things that they were not supposed to do, they gave one thing that you were supposed to do. I want to read it to you today out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18, this is to kings, it says, and when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself 
in a book a copy of this law approved by Levitical priests. Man, you've, you, you, you've got this thing on iPads. You've got it printed. Thank God for the Gutenberg Press and all of that because you get it comes in a little package. It's beautiful. It comes leather bound. He had to write it out himself. And it had to be overseen. And I think there was a reason. Someone else could have done the job for him. But God said, no, no, no. I want you to know where I stand on things. Don't live off someone else's revelation. Don't listen to what other people say. Go get it for yourself and read it in this book. He says, and it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life. He shall read it some of the days. Not... No, he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. That's where he went wrong. He just lost his fear of God by keeping the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. That his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. And that is exactly what he didn't do. And his focus switched. He looked in other directions. He became comfortable with where he was at. He explained it to a point that he was okay with it. And I want to tell you two things that you could do today that will absolutely help you. Number one, keep it real. Keep it real and keep it fresh. You've got to get real about where you're at. Most people that are lost in their sin need to find their bearing somewhere. And if you're wondering if you're going the wrong direction, you're going to find it in here. And if you read this thing and you think, well, I don't really even understand it, then find a group of people that do and let them help you as well. You got to get real about where you're at. Anybody that's lost, what's the first rule of getting lost and finding your way out? You have to know where you are. So find where you are. Get real with yourself. Just acknowledge where you're at. God loves you. He's going to forgive you, but you, you better know where you're at. And then you've got to keep it fresh. Don't live off yesterday's revelation. It's daily bread. Get in the word daily. Pray daily. Have that relationship with God. Don't let church be the pinnacle of your spiritual experience. This is not a pit stop. Guess what? This is not a petrol station. This is not how this works. You're not supposed to come in here and you fill up here and you drive around all week and you come back to this place to fill up again that's not the life that God has called you to what he's got for you is so much better for that so don't settle for less than God's best for your life you you gotta get it in here keep it real keep it fresh so you don't end up changing lanes without realizing because if you do it will ruin you that doesn't have to be your story. I want you to stand to your feet. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.